Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to a bleary-eyed, sleep-deprived, voice-cracking DMZ, everybody. How how late did you stay up? I was, well, I mean, you know, here's the thing, Bill. I wrote a column that that went up probably around uh, 1230, 1245. But when you're right at the caliber that I write, Bill, mm-hmm. uh, you don't just turn roll over and go to sleep. You know, <laughs> I was so I was probably up till well after two, uh, and then I got back up at six a.m. to to do uh, XM radio with Julie Mason. Oh, I did that he, show last week. Yeah, she's great. Um, so anyway, here I am. How about you, Bill? Uh, I wrote till four in the morning. Uh, I don't really settle on what I wanted to say till like one thirty or so. And I got up, and then but I got to bed. It was more like you know four fifteen, four twenty. Got up at seven. Uh, was was alerted to a mouse in the house at seven fifteen. So I had to <laughs> had to take care of that. The most bill share morning ever. I and I caught that mouse. I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd like uh, to see proof, Bill. Do you have yeah. the mouse handy? No, you know, I actually I do. I have the proof. My Go get my, it. Uh, my daughter was like, "Can I take a picture?" I'm like, "Can I just take this freaking mouse outside?" Bill, uh, I, I want our screen grab to be you holding up the tail, the uh, mouse by the tail. It's a little, um, it's a little, little tough to see in the jar, uh, but there it is. <laughs> Um, uh, I, no, Peta, if Peta wants to come after you, I, I say bring I it on. I caught leave, the mouse. Leave me alone. Let it run free outside. Sure, right, Bill. That'll be our little story. That'll be our story. Good job, um, Bill. Uh, uh, we have a lot to talk about. We'll try to keep it tight. It, it is, you know, we're talking. Uh, it's nine fifteen a.m. Wednesday morning, the morning after the election. Um, I wrote a column, which I think we could talk about. You wrote a column that we could talk. I, I, but let me I, I, our takes are fairly, uh, I mean, maybe you know, fully overlap, but pretty darn close in our general sentiment. Yeah, I think we we took different angles, but they're very consistent. Uh, they're not mutually exclusive by any stretch. Um, and and I want to start off by sort so the the obvious caveat we see through a glass darkly. Um, we don't know who's going to win the Senate. I don't even think we know who's going to win the House yet. Um, like it is possible that the Republicans that alone, take both chambers, but that alone, the fact that we don't know, correct, I think, is also a big story because we yeah. thought the expectation, not we, but the expectations from all the smart people were wave. So let me just start by, as of now, you know, pre, sort of a preemptive, patting ourselves on mm. the back, you know, because I, I hold here in my formerly <laughs> nicotine state. <laughs> um predictions. And I have to say, you and I both made, we went on, a lot of people don't want to go on the record and make picks, especially a week out. We did it like a week before the election. And we we, stood, and then Bill, given the chance, given the chance to walk back our predictions as it became, as it started to look more like a Republican wave, you and I held firm and we did not waver, no pun intended. We mm -hmm. held to our picks, both of us. And again, too early to say, but you and I both, either of us are on tap, I think, to to go 10 for 10. What do you think? Well, number one, yes, we are heroes. Uh, number two, you know, we we diverged on Georgia. That's it. We, we, Georgia we and, and, and the Arizona gubernatorial election. Well, I thought we were talking Senate. But in the Senate, yeah. Um, and... Um, and so Georgia looks like a runoff. So I don't know if you say that means that we are both exactly the same, or we we will be adjudicated. Is that the tiebreaker for us? Yeah. Yep, or that's you, it. Or, we, or do you it, have, it will do you be get determined if it's a runoff. Do we get to revise our picks for the runoff, or do we have to stick with what we have? I think you have to stick with what you had. Okay, I, mean, I was going to stick anyway. Yeah, I um, think you have to stick. Um, um, now I think I think you that's you raise an interesting question because if it comes down to you, you, one, one could argue that that if it becomes clear that that the fate of the Senate rests in Georgia, that that in and of itself could um, 
change the calculation that voters make. There may be voters who would not have voted for Herschel Walker, except if they knew that it was going to give Republicans control of the Senate. So, so, but, but I think according to our rules, uh, if you picked, you picked Warnock, I picked Walker a week ago. I think we, I think that that means we're in till December 6th, if it's a runoff indeed. I, 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 I feel good about that, quite frankly. I mean, I grant that whether or not the Senate is literally on the line or not is a big factor to consider that you would take into consideration if you're making a fresh prediction. But Warnock had the most votes, just almost touching 50, uh, and has had the runoff experience before. Uh, So uh, I also feel good, Bill, because I think that, number one, the scenario I just outlined very well could happen. You could have Mm -hmm. Republican Kemp voters who uh, now will vote for Walker based on partisan loyalty to give Mitch McConnell the uh, the majority. Uh, and I also think the libertarian candidate, Bill, got what, 2%, 2, right. 3%. So those votes are more likely, I would assume, what's to disproportionately that, go Republican. Well, that's not what happened two years ago. I um, mean, the libertarian, the libertarian is always the reason why Georgia has runoffs. Well, there you, you go you, again you, with your damn facts, Bill. You got to be on. a real sick bastard to vote libertarian in Georgia. Like, what are you doing <laughs> To your state, like you know what you're doing, you know you're just causing problems for everybody. Um, how much money? How much money and time have have, have the two percent of libertarians in Georgia <laughs> cost? You know, the United or cost the state of Georgia? Certainly. I mean, I, it's it's still highly likely that the Republicans have the House, even if just barely. Yeah. So it's not like you need the Senate to put a check on Biden legislatively. But the Supreme Court stuff, obviously. Well, I mean, it really comes down to judges being the thing, but the Supreme Court's not on the precipice of going one way or the other. So, I mean, you you may well be right that Republicans do kick in the gear for that reason, but there isn't quite the same urgency for conservatives at this point in time. Yeah. Bill, I want to go back. And again, we see through a glass darkly. It's early. Um, we don't know how things are going to ultimately manifest, but I want to go back. I want to give some credit to a couple people and I want to call out, I won't name names, but I, I just, I, I want to call out some folks subtweeting them. But so first of all, Bill, I, I think you and I, uh, again, heroes, that's clear. <laughs> um, uh, and, 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 and even in the Georgia gubernatorial race, I thought with, you were really wish casting when you, Arizona, eight, Arizona, what did I say? Georgia. <laughs> Thank you. Please call me out. I'm, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it was a long night. In Arizona, when you picked Katie Hobbs, I thought you were really wish casting. And it, it's, who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll be proven right. I, mean, I want to give if, some credit. If I am proven right, then I, I, get, I get the lion's share of the bragging rights if Hobbs actually pulls this out. Because there's almost nobody that went with Hobbs. I, I, I call him, you know, I give credit where it's due. Um, and, and I want to do that now with Simon Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who consistently, he came on my podcast twice uh, this past summer and laid out his theory for why Democrats were going to do better than everyone thought. Mm-hmm. And then he never backed down, Bill. Mm-hmm. He, he never changed. He kept saying it and saying it and saying it. And I thought, Honestly, he was working the refs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, no, again, I didn't. I also, I you know, I also thought Republicans were going to narrowly take the Senate. Fifty-one votes is what I predicted, mm-hmm. and, and that and may you, pan you, out. You, you, yeah, you may be totally on the mark at the end of the day. But 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 so I, I I have a lot of respect for Simon um, for sticking to his guns, and uh, he looks he looks pretty smart as of now. Well, regardless of the exact final outcome of control of both chambers, you still could not call this a wave. Uh, there's the, the House net is going to come, you know, lower bound of most projections, maybe even below most projections. You, I mean, you and I, you know, I said 19 Republican again. You said 23. Yeah. Uh, I think we're looking at something like, 10 right now, maybe even less. I mean, there's still, yeah, there's that still is a failure based on uh, the, the, the expectations, the assumptions, and just historical norms. Right. I mean, this is definitely going to be below average. This is going to be below average uh, 
because the average post-World War II is 26. The average of the last four midterms was 37. So there's definitely going to be a below average uh, performance by the by the out party. Uh, and even though you and I, you know, we didn't get the number exactly right, um, our, our meta take was not a wave year, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a, a slight breeze or is it a, is it a red, is it a red mist? Is yeah. it a red trickle? <laughs> what is the term that we will use? Bill, you and I, um, I, you know, I think we both believed that Republicans would take the house. Um, I predicted that they would narrowly take the Senate, which still may pan out. Uh, you predicted that it would remain 50, 50, which still may pan out. Uh, I, I think our general take was good. And I, I want to say that um, there were a lot of really smart analysts, Bill. I'm talking about some of the top people that, and you and I talked to some of them in our, our DM Zooms and some that I just had on my podcast. And they were saying like 54 Senate seats. And, and, and look, I, that is still, I think, mathematically possible based on. No, well, not Senate, no. So is that's not even you're, you're I mean every everything's called now but I mean Wisconsin's not quite called but it's almost yeah. Shirley Johnson. That's what I was going to say. My point was going to be even though it may still technically be possible right reading the tea leaves it ain't possible. It's right. not going to happen. I mean the and best Republicans can do now is winning Nevada, Arizona, Georgia which would get them to 50 Two. Yeah. And, and again, I picked 50. I said 51. You said 50. You and I and our humble little DMZ here, uh, I think, come out so far looking looking pretty good. So um, if, if you're taking your time, if you're taking your time here, uh, I think it's time well spent. Let me also say, Bill, I want to do a thank you to um, several people responded to my urgent plea for support. And went to patreon.com slash Matt Lewis and uh have 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 supported us on Patreon. I, I picked up a couple as well. Thank thank you for your your support, your patronage. Uh I do think we should drill down though on why this isn't a wave. Yeah. Why yeah. this is even if Republicans just barely take control, that they can't really pat themselves on the back. Yeah, and, and, and that speaks that speaks to the columns that you and I both yeah, wrote. Why, yeah. why don't you start with your uh, your angle? Well, one thing that I've really been uh, hammering since I came across this paper uh, in the summer, uh, the notion that uh, midterms are not really referendums on presidential performance. They are opportunities for the electorate to bring more balance to Washington. Uh, and uh, you it's very commonplace to see pundits and analysts and projectors say uh, presidential approval is like your key benchmark. And you can look at the midterms in the last, last few decades to bolster that point because the two times uh, the president's party did did better and actually gained a, a few seats. Was ninety eight in two thousand two when presidential approval was very high, and I think in, I think in every other case going back to like seventy eight or something, uh, you know, it was in the forties. Uh, forget. Yeah, I just had, I just had Henry Olson on my right. podcast from the Washington Post, friend of ours, very smart guy, shrewd analyst, kind of you know nailed nailed twenty sixteen when no one else or few people did. Um, and, and he was very high on that bill. He thought right. that he thought that Biden's approval rating was everything, uh, or, or that that was, that was really the, the thing you needed to look at. And he right. very, he poo pooed the notion that, um, that the governors might, might have, uh, uh, coattails like, like Kemp in Georgia or Shapiro in Pennsylvania. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there are a lot of governor coattails. Um, so I agree with them on that, but I think in the paper that I read, it went back farther than, you know, the eighties to make the look and still looks supposed to looking at poll data and saying, look, you have, you see house losses, even when 
presidential approval is pretty good. So that suggests it's not really about referendum on performance. Uh, it's about any time the president has a degree of power with with uh, with his own party uh, to get stuff done, they're going to go a little bit beyond you know the, where the median voter is, and the, and the median voter is going to want to pull things back some. Uh, and and so then you have, to, you have to look at the exceptions. So what happened when the president did do better? Uh, if it's not just about their approval rating, but about uh, the voter sense of what does it take to have balance? If voting for the out party makes you feel more imbalanced and all, and the things are going off the rails, then that's going to change things. So 2002, such as the Bush's number was, was, was high. It said, this was after nine 11 and the, and, and there was a lot of saber rattling about Iraq and then not a lot of trust with Democrats to handle national security. Uh, 1998 was when Republicans had voted to pursue impeachment while the economy was good. And people were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> why, why are you messing with a good thing? Um, so what was weird about this election, which made it a little bit hard to get your head around, is we had multiple crises at the same time. We have inflation. We have a crime spike. We have abortion uh, laws upended, and we have threats to democracy. And what you think is a crisis is different depending on where you are politically. So there isn't a shared sense collectively as a nation what's a crisis. Uh, and so you see in the exit poll data, I mean, so a lot of the exit, a lot of the polling we saw before this was you know, inflation very high and then abortion, you know, coming in like maybe second or third, but, but a huge gap between inflation and abortion. The CBS exit poll, I'm going to exit polls, maybe imperfect metrics here, but I think it lines up with the results we saw. I think inflation was like 31% top issue and, and abortion was like 28, almost neck and neck. Uh, and crime was coming in third at 11%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, exit polls um, have burned us in the past. <laughs> but Bill, to your point, I mean, I, I think the people who were expecting a real red wave, a, a tsunami, Again, you know, they had a point, you know, because Biden's approval rating really is low and historical norms really do suggest a minimum of like, what, 25 or an average of about 25, 26 seats uh, going to the out party. And then the polling bill, the polling consistently said that inflation in the economy were by far the most important issue issues. Uh, that voters cared about, um, all of these would indicate to a rational person that, yes, in fact, there was going to be a wave. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a crazy conclusion to come up with. And you saw, it, well, actually, in the generic ballot, uh, those numbers, so Republicans were having slow but steady momentum over the month of October. Democrats had a good summer, took the lead slightly. The Republicans took that lead back in October. You didn't see big shifts in the last week, but you saw a steady rise, which made a lot of people say, I guess we're, we're going back to the fundamentals here. Your Democrats had, had their fun in the immediate aftermath of, of Dobbs, but now it looks like a normal midterm. And then you look at the Senate polling and in almost every competitive Senate race, you had late Republican momentum. Uh, now, there was a debate going on. Is this because you have Republican-leaning pollsters who are goosing the numbers like, by pumping out trash data? Uh, and I saw, I saw Nate Silver and I think a couple others point out, hey, if, if Republicans are doing that, why are Democrats doing that? You know, why are there Democratic internals that we're seeing? saying that Democrats are having a great year. If the Democratic people are being silent, maybe it's because the Republican ones are actually right. I mean, I don't think they're making super duper firm predictions, but uh, I think it was feeding a notion that th this momentum might be yeah. real. Simon, uh, Simon Rosenberg, again, um, alleged that Republicans were working the refs and mm -hmm. that they were putting out, pushing polls uh, to try to maybe create a false sense of momentum. I mean, my I didn't, I didn't buy it because I kept seeing 
independent, you know, <laughs> news, media polls that that confirmed. Well, the, you know, what we the, the folks over at Split Ticket, which is a new projection outfit, they create a poll average that stripped out the partisan polling, and yeah, you know, it wasn't wildly different. But like, I, I think, if I remember correctly, Real Clear Politics landed at Republicans plus two point five in their generic ballot, and five thirty eight was like one point one. And I think split ticket was Democrats plus 0.2. I mean, you're still talking. They're all relatively in the same ballpark. Um, But it looked like, to me, like narrowly in Republicans' favor, not huge wave. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, some folks had said, well, Democrats need to do like well beyond the generic ballot because of gerrymandering or whatnot. And and I kept saying, you know, Democrats matched generic, Democrats matched House popular vote last two cycles, and, there, and we didn't have a wildly gerrymandered map. Um, you know, there are some examples. You know, Florida is very gerrymandered. New York got kind of got anti gerrymandered. Um, so it certainly you had to look at, but nationwide yeah. it wasn't you, crazy. Um, let me ask you this: speaking of gerrymandering, um, <clears throat> I'm wondering about self gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Someone tweeted about this. Uh, Ron Filipkowski, I think, is the name. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible? I haven't, I haven't, you know, I haven't tried to dig up the numbers, but do you think that um, everyone moving to Florida means Trump voters are being taken from <laughs> that? That that there's a, you know, first of all, a lot of Trump voters are dying every day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. disproportionately, I would think, um, based on age and and other factors. Um, and then a lot of them are self-deporting to Florida. You know what I mean? Like, so like, do you think at some point that's actually having a a toll? I mean, I don't know if it's sucking away from the swing states. I mean, the rending of Florida is this, is a crazy development. Uh, I mean, it really is sort of an island. I mean, what happens in Florida is not indicative. It is not a bellwether for other yeah. states. You know, I, I respect Dave Wasserman at Cook Political Report. I, don't, I, there are, I think there are a handful of Wasserman haters out there. I'm no, by no means one of them. I think he does amazing work. Uh, but he had a tweet yesterday that was off the mark. Uh, you know, and look, I, if I was in his position, I would probably say, you know, a hundred stupid things and like not have my job the next day. Uh, so again, I'm not trying to be like, you know, super know-it-all. Uh, but I do think when you get in that position of being seen as the know-it-all, that, yeah. that pressure to like to have the early take is pretty intense. And, and I think there's always been, it's, it goes way beyond Wasserman, there's always been a desire in the uh, Bellway press corps to identify the early bellwethers. What's the bellwether state? What's the bellwether district? And so a lot of folks are going to look at Virginia as the bellwether because they're, the, the numbers come in first and there are swing districts there. Uh, and like Virginia too, well, was. Virginia does seem to have been, I think, somewhat indicative of the night, right? There were three target races that we were looking at. Democrats held two of the three. Right. I mean, sure, you can look at that, that way. That kind of is what happened, I think. Sure. Um, so far. But he saw midday weak Democratic turnout in one of those districts, as well as Dem turnout bust in Florida, and made a quick analysis that Democrats are having a huge turnout problem in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I saw which, that tweet. Which, which in reality was a, was very isolated to those areas. I mean, there, there was no very clear, obvious bellwether. You had different things happening in different areas of the country. In Florida itself, uh, Florida went the opposite way of the rest of the country two years ago. Uh, almost every state, Trump had weakened margin. Florida was one of the very few, it was one of six and you know, like like Hawaii was another one where Trump did better than before. It's like who cares, you know? Uh, so Florida's been going on, a, on its own path. I can only assume it's these right leaning snowbirds deciding to set up shop there in the villages. Uh, but whether that's is that being yanked out of uh, you know Arizona? Yeah, I mean, it, it's something or, to or, keep or, an eye on, yeah. Bill. Um, I think one lesson here: just nobody knows anything. Nobody knows nothing. Like the so-called experts. Our guess is better than theirs this time. But we, but we um, should, we should be learning though. We should be learning because we now have three cycles in a row where uh, 
political polarization has made things uh, relatively rigid. I, I do want to see the final House popular vote numbers, see how much they track. I mean, 2020 to 2018, House popular vote, House popular vote in 2018 tracked very strongly presidential performance in 2020 and Senate performance, which is unusual. You don't usually have that clear connection between midterm and presidential because the electors are supposed to be wholly different. Um, uh, now we may have uh, uh, very similar performance. Uh, well, you know, Senate-wise, you know, it's going to be a little messier because the Pennsylvania tracks yeah. 2018, 20, 2020, 2022. Arizona and Georgia. In a second, after, after you yeah. finish this, we should talk Fetterman. Arizona and Georgia may track, but at minimum, they're both very close states, both 2020 and 2022. Nevada may be one that slips a little bit the Republicans' way. Um, so it's not like exactly the same, but you're still, you know, like Oregon governor seems like Democrats came home. Oklahoma governor seems like Republicans came home. Uh, uh, so you got to be very careful about trying to pick just one quirky district and one quirky state and making a big extrapolation. Right, but but the the premise is that these midterms are wave elections every time, and a wave lifts rickety boats. And um, Bill, you and I though both said Fetterman. We both went with Fetterman. Yeah, in Pennsylvania, um, for most of the year he he led, but but I think our pick was pretty gutsy because in the last week or two it felt like Oz had all the momentum, and then there was that horrible debate. And uh, on October 25th, but mm-hmm. I think you and I both felt like uh, it may not matter. And, and indeed, maybe it didn't. Maybe that debate didn't matter. I, you know, I don't think the debate really mattered much at all. If anything that mattered to narrow that race, I think it was the crime attacks that Oz laid on Fetterman. <clears throat> Remember I uh, told you about I talked to my mom yeah, who lives yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. A- after we taped last week when you chastised me. <laughs> for not having spoken to her before, uh, I talked to mom, and and uh, and that was one of the things I learned is that she had no knowledge of the debate <laughs> wasn't factoring into it at all. But it was other criticisms of Fetterman. Uh, I think she said something like, "Is he the one who's going to let all the addicts out of prison?" Something right. like that. And I do think that Fetterman being physically compromised by the stroke made it harder for him to rebut that attack. He wasn't able to, he didn't, wasn't able to have his a game and be the full, you know, fun loving John Fetterman uh, who could have his persona do the work to make that charge seem unfair. Uh, And so you're left with the charge, which, has I mean I'm not saying I think Fetterman's gonna let all the acts out of prison, but he did chair the parole board. He did let certain people out. Uh, he did lean in and was eager to uh, let people have second chances after serving uh, long stretches in prison, even if they were murderers, or in some cases uh, felt he felt they weren't they were wrongly charged for murder and deserve, deserve to be let out. Um, but. Uh, so I, I do think that hurt Fetterman, just not enough. I think that hurt Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin. Uh, but it's not like crime hurt everybody everywhere. I mean, maybe it weakened Kathy Hochul in New York. Maybe it weakened Tina Kotek in Oregon, but not but not quite enough. Those are places where crime definitely became more hot button. But in lots of other parts of the country, it wasn't the issue. It wasn't the issue nationally, according mm-hmm. to the exit polls. Uh, and I think you had, and it's probably similar with abortion uh, and with you know, threats to democracy, you needed to have the goods. Yeah. Uh, you needed and, and to have. No, I mean, I, I criticized Democrats for, um, for sort of avoiding the economy and inflation and trying to talk about abortion and threats to democracy just because it just felt like that dog won't hunt. I mean, Again, all the polling seemed to indicate that, that those were not the leading issues that voters prioritized. Um, you know, again, I, I don't believe exit polls, but it seems like for something, something helped Democrats. Um, what is your take on, on that? 
I mean, I, I think Democrats got, I mean, I don't know if abortion is what got them over the finish line at the very end. Uh, I mean, if there was anything like a national closing message, I think it was more threats to democracy than it was abortion. Obviously, you can't take it off the table. I mean, abortion was on the table, so security was on the table. But Biden's last speech was democracy. Obama, you know, Obama hit all these things and it went on his campaign trail, but like his big emotional pitch at the end was, you know, democracy is on the ballot. I mean, that, that, that's what, I think what got quoted most uh, in those stories. And you had certain people, uh, you know, we may not know if it's enough in Arizona, but, you know, Carrie Lake leaning into it. You know, other people tried to scurry away from it. But you had a number of people like who said enough things about the illegitimacy of 2020 the Democrats could use, like put it in the ad, put the quote in the ad. So it's not just this abstract thing. Like you said it, here's the, here's the tape as Republicans could, could do in some places in terms of crime. Uh, like those to me are the, are the ads and the messages that had the most punch. Uh, and so you look at, uh, this is a CBS poll before the election. Uh, majorities of the country said if Republicans were going to uh, when Congress, they were going to pass a national abortion ban. Um, I think, I think they also, I think they also said that majorities would, you know, seek to deny Democrats elections. I forget the exact wording of the, of the question. Um, and on the other side, majority said if Democrats won Congress, they would cut police funding. Now Democrats c- currently control Congress and Increase police funding. <laughs> like it's not really a fair, fair attack. But in those races where you could take a, you could take Mandela Barnes saying reducing pol- prison populations is sexy. You could take that quote saying, "Hey, we're just going to reallocate some funds and put them into social services." Um, you you have something to work with there. Uh, and and I think th- those things um, affected the perception of the party nationally. I don't know if you read this article that Stan Greenberg did, Democratic pollster. I read all Stan Greenberg's stuff, man. He's at the American Prospect uh, with this piece. Prospect's a very lefty magazine. I'm a little surprised they ran the piece. Uh, I'm more of a Jacobin fan myself. (laughs) Go ahead. I mean, he wrote this brutal take saying Democrats on crime is a disaster. uh, And... We tested all these messages on crime, uh, and the only way to really uh, overcome it, or at least or or mitigate it, is like explicitly say only five Democrats in the House wanted to fund the police, just five. You know, I think it's ridiculous. You know, that you, you actually you had to punch left completely. I mean, and and explicitly create that distance Hippie to convince the, to convince the average voter that you mean it. Um, now, I mean, I think some Democratic ads did go as far as say, like, you know, define the police as ridiculous. You know, they would, they would, they did, did go that far. Um, so maybe that helped mitigate certain races. I've, I've not been able to go through like line by line, race by race, mm-hmm. like, which ad said which thing. Um, but, uh, I think these things matter. So I, I Democrats shouldn't tell themselves everything we did was awesome. <laughs> we are the greatest and they totally suck. And we don't you know, make any changes at all. I think there's some evidence here that they have, the, they do have branding problems. Oh yeah. Uh, you, you look at yeah. this, the exit poll, they say, is the Republican party too extreme? I think 52% said yes. Is the Democratic party too extreme? 51% said yes. Like they, they both have their issues. Yeah. I mean, it, Republicans, you know, uh, obviously left seats on the table. We, we don't know what Democrats might've done better. If well, I, think, Mandela I, think, Bar, I mean, you know. I, don't think, I don't think it's called yet, but Oregon Five, where Kurt Schrader, <clears> who was a pretty ornery moderate, uh, was very difficult about the Democrat spending bills uh, and uh, uh, has close ties to the pharma industry and was definitely uh, holding pharma's line when it came to trying to reduce prescription drug prices. Uh, he was primaried out to a four more progressive person in a redrawn district. Uh, and, and it looks like, it looks like she's going to come up short, but I don't think that that's called yet. So that's one case where I think, yeah. uh, Democrats made a mistake. I, I think Mandela Barnes, you know, proved to be a, a weak choice, yep. um, yep. that, that Democrats kind of flinched and, uh, gave, essentially everyone dropped out and gave him, gave him the nomination. Otherwise, uh, otherwise their candidate quality uh, is pretty good. 
before I turn to my column and my take, before I forget, uh, let me give a shout out to uh, Dusty Baker and your Houston Astros, world champions. Kudos. Uh, and I also uh, want to give some props to your boy Tim Ryan in Ohio, who lost, but I think gave a, uh, a great concession speech. Did you see that, Bill? Uh, I saw the quotes from it, and he ran, you know, a good race in a tough state. I think Cheryl, uh, Sherry Beasley ran a tough race in a, uh, uh, in a, ran a good race in a tough state. What, what, what do you want? Also, uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, 45-year-old Tom Brady, who uh, orchestrated an amazing fourth-quarter comeback against the L.A. Rams, proving once again that, uh, that we get better with age, Bill. What are the what are the bucks? Forty five is the beginning. Uh, are, are the bucks four and five now? Is that right? They're in first place <laughs> in their division, I think, um, or at least second. They're 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 in the hunt, so it ain't over yet. But yeah, I, I might have re- I, I retired and stayed married I'm, I'm to Giselle impressed. if I had the choice. I, I think I would have taken Giselle over a mediocre bucks year. But hey, that's just me. Oh, I think he made a huge mistake <laughs> with the divorce thing. Uh, I completely agree. And here's my reason, Bill. I don't care if the Bucks win another Super Bowl. It, it doesn't matter. He's already checked the box on he's he's the goat. He doesn't. He's got nothing to prove in the professional part of his life. But what about your personal life? Like, doesn't that you know? I, I think that 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 when you uh, when you say how successful are you, having a good marriage is part of that. <laughs> so maybe sacrifice one more uh you know year in the sun for one more year in the sun let's be honest it's it's giselle but anyway. i i i don't, I don't want to echo you on your praise for dusty baker not an astros fan uh but i mean but dusty baker's a class act and inventor of the high five you gotta love that what yes yes <laughs> Dusty Baker invented the high five. They're, they're, I mean, I'm, I'm sure someone's going to say that's apocryphal, but he, he is um, credited by some, uh, along with one other player, for inventing the high five. I invented the semicolon, so <laughs> I'm not sweating it. Um, Bill, I am impressed that you knew that the Bucks were four and five. That, you know, I, I, I only know that because, you know, because uh, I do believe that, you know, Tom Bray's a cheater. Uh, and so I'm curious, you know, how he's doing all the time. And so I heard, I, I, heard, I saw a great Brady comeback. I was like, is he actually having a good year? Oh, he's not having a good Between year. Between the Astros and Tom Brady, it's a good time to be a cheater. That's true. Unless, uh, unless, unless, Bill, you're Donald Trump. Which brings us to my perfect yeah, Love that segue. My theme for last night was, it's a really bad night to be a Trump candidate. It's a good night to be a normal Republican. So in Georgia, Brian Kemp, the normal Republican, easily coasted to re-election. Herschel Walker, we don't know yet. The verdict is out. In uh, New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, easily coasts to re-election as governor. Don Bullduck does not. He goes down. What I mean, again, there's a difference between running for governor and running for Senate, but it would have been interesting to see in a different world, in a different environment, if Chris Sununu runs for Senate, do Republicans pick up another seat last night? Very mm-hmm. plausible. In Ohio, Bill, Governor Mike DeWine easily wins re-election. J.D. Vance also easily wins, but DeWine outperforms him by about 10 points last time I checked. So normal Republicans, just sort of generic Republicans, did well. They actually yeah. might have had the wave that we were expecting. It was the the candidate quality problem that Mitch McConnell warned about. And there are seats that are being left on the table. This guy, uh, Majewski in Ohio, running yeah. for the House bill, you know, reportedly misrepresented his military record, the guy who like carved the word Trump in his farm fields so that they could be seen from above, aerial photography and whatnot, um, went down in a very winnable Republican House uh, House race last night. Uh, we could talk about the New York governor's race uh, that didn't 
materialize um, where a, a Trumpy candidate, Zeldin, um, you know, who who supported Trump during impeachment, voted to overturn the 2020 election, didn't do what a lot of people were sort of thinking he might do. It looked like he had a lot of buzz. Well, so, look, at, look at Massachusetts and Maryland, where you yeah. Republicans had won governor's races by being, you know, moderate technocrats. Massachusetts have been doing that for decades. Yeah. And they both go super tr- Trumpy for no good reason. Yep. And Democrats and flip lose. those seats and blow out. Bill, Lauren Boebert. Yes. Will, she right now is is down. Yes. And could lose. Yes. That's a huge story nobody saw coming. I mean, Lauren Boebert, I would put her up there with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn as being sort of this, the most kind of Trumpy, you know, young House members could go down. So um, bad night for Donald Trump. And Ron DeSantis, Bill, uh, kicking butt in Florida. Say what you will about him. Again, we know Florida is this weird, weird state now that's not really indicative of other places. But think about that. I'll give you a, a couple things to think about. First, let's think about Donald Trump's track record. So 2016, he runs for president. He beats an historically bad candidate, uh, unpopular candidate, Hillary Clinton, but he loses the popular vote. 2018, Donald Trump and Republicans lose the House. 2020, Trump loses the presidency. First president to lose re-election in what, since Bush? Bush and- And and, and loses the Senate in the process. And loses the Senate, sabotages the Senate, I would argue. (laughs) Right. Um, And now this, now last night, which is not a great night, Bill. I think Republicans will but, still. But why? Why <laughs> after that, when there's a clear Trump problem as you as you identify, uh, and Republicans have a brand problem, they have an extremism problem, why would a Republican seeking normalcy say, "Well, thank God we have Ron DeSantis. He'll he'll fix that. He won Florida by twenty points. I guess it means he he'll be okay." Florida is not a normal state. Being a Florida man is not yeah. the is not the path well, Bill, I, to I the middle. The, the simple answer to that is um, that there is no way the Republican base and the Republican primary voters um, are going to go from Trump to Larry Hogan or something. Um, what they might do is go to Ron DeSantis and, and you, regardless of the logic. So, but, but, but let you me, need, let me, let me, let me put just a final a f- sort of make, you know, an, an, another argument, um, about actually, let me, you, you take care of the dog. I want to look at my, uh, at my tweets to jog my memory here. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's been, uh, it's been a long night, but, um, Anyway, I'm having a. Well, a I'll, 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 I'll say one thing while you're while you're All doing right. that. I, I think what would make Republicans look super awesome in the eyes of the median voter? How about a Donald Trump Ron DeSantis cage match over the next <laughs> eighteen months? That will look really great. That will yeah. feel really good about where the Republican Party is going. And, but you, but we're clearly like, that is a slow moving train wreck. And the other thing, Bill, I, I luckily I have Twitter to remind me of what I can't remember myself. Um, here's another interesting thing to keep in mind. You know, Donald Trump this summer was thrust back into the national conversation during the Mar-a-Lago raid, right? And when that happened, that coincided with Democrats, you know, kind of reasserting and doing well. Now, there's other factors. Other things happened this summer, like Dobbs, right? But, but when Trump was thrust into the conversation, Democrats started to do well. Mm-hmm. Then, just like in 2016, Trump went dark for about a month. Not completely, but under the radar, mm-hmm. and Republicans started to come back, Bill. Mm-hmm. And then, as it looked like Republicans were on the verge of this huge wave, Donald Trump, about a week out, starts making noise again. He says he's going to announce for president, Bill. He starts attacking Ron DeSantis publicly. Rhonda Sanctimonious, which I think is actually a pretty good nickname. But anyway. <laughs> is it a coincidence 
that when Donald Trump is not in the news cycle, Republicans do better. And when Donald Trump reasserts, Democrats do better. Coincidence? No, not at all. Um, But uh, I, I think, and maybe it's even still possible, that a saner, calmer Republican could take advantage of uh, a DeSantis-Trump blood feud and run up the middle. A Mike Pence, a Glenn Youngkin. Uh, I think Youngkin. I think Youngkin is 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 the way to go, and that's a smart insight. It, it's 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 possible. And I think from a general election standpoint, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, as, as you know, the hard part is winning that Republican primary. But it, but maybe if if Trump and DeSantis were to, you know, kill each other, polit- you know, sort of, you know, speaking here, not literally, figuratively speaking, I uh, have to be clear, then uh, that some weird things could happen. Um, now, there's a piece that I'm working on. Uh, I got to touch up after we're done here, but maybe just a, just briefly, what do you think this means for Biden in 2024? Do Democrats rally around him saying, Hey guy, you did it. Or do they say, okay, we dodged a bullet, but eh, I don't know if you're really the guy (laughs) to get us through this in 2024. That's a great question because um, on one hand, you could argue this helps Biden. On the other hand, Democrats may think, wow, 2024 might be a, maybe the wind is at our back. And that could spur other people who want to be president to, uh, to come forward and, and, and be a little ambitious. So I don't know, Bill, do you, do you have a, this is, you know, you're, you're catching me. I'm still recovering from mm-hmm. last night, but this is a very interesting question. What do you think? Um, I mean, if if it, if it was a bad midterm, I think Demo- I think there'd be Democrats announcing soon, trying to push him out. I, I, I agree with that. In um, fact, I, I said that I thought there'd be you know a story in some big mainstream outlet, you know, in a couple weeks or months that was like after exhaustive interviews with mm-hmm. countless Democratic insiders who asked to remain anonymous, you know. A clearer picture has emerged of, of Joe Biden's <laughs> you know, challenges with mental acuity. Mm-hmm. He has to look at his tweets to remember what he was thinking, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and now I think uh, less likely that that happens, but still, but still possible. I think it's totally possible. I mean, look, he's, he, his numbers are still bad, um, and and plenty of plenty of presidents have bad midterms, and plenty of presidents have bad approval numbers during the midterms. And come back. Uh, so it's not like you 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 could say he's. It's impossible he could win in twenty twenty four. But I do think the the discontent is still simmering out there, and it just takes one person to say, you know what, this is my shot. I'm going to put it out there and see what happens um, f- to you know op- open it up. Uh, and uh, not that I think it would be easy to do, but any any any, any stretch. Uh, but I, I still think it's going to be on the table. I, still, I, I was not expecting it to, I'm not expecting the floodgates to open up as as quickly uh, because this was a better than expected uh, result. But we'll, we'll say, one, we'll say one other thing though. I think Biden was smart to play a relatively low key role in this midterm. Because again, it's not primarily a referendum on the president. It doesn't make sense to try to make it one by having you go stump every last place. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump stumped. But you hear these pieces like, you know, Biden's out there less than Donald Trump in 2018 and less than Barack Obama in 2010. Yeah, they had bad midterms. So maybe that's not the thing that presidents should do. He wasn't hiding in the basement. He still had his speeches. You know, he still went to bluer places where he was he in can... Maryland on election, you know, like right. on election eve. Right, but you know, I mean, was it bad that he went to New York to help uh, bang the drum and say this Zelda guy is out to lunch? Was it bad that he went to Oregon and say, hey, you know, 
of Christine Drazen is way too way way too far to the right. It's just just to call attention to it and just to yeah. remind the, the the partisans. Do you know what's going on in your state? Are you paying attention? You know, he still can drive news, but he did it very selectively and strategically. I think it was smart. Uh, now at the same time. Being low key means you don't get all the credit for the result, uh, and so that still might make you know a, a Gavin Newsom uh, uh, type person say, you know what, this is still b- better. I go now than wait four years. Yeah, um, but it looks good if if you're Biden. This is a, yet another sort of good mark on your. Uh, on your permanent record. Um, Bill, quick housekeeping note. You and I will not be in the DMZ next week. Um, however, I, w- I would say if there is a, a a huge development, I may try to dragoon you into coming on my podcast uh, later this week for an emergency, if there were some big development that, that required. That I, required I, our, I think our, you're obligated to have me on your podcast if Katie Hobbs wins. There you go. <laughs> I will have you on and and uh, suck up and, and give praise where it's due. Um, but we will not be in the DMZ next week. Um, but uh, you've gotten your money's worth. And thank you. Thank you for the people who have uh, come, you know, risen to the occasion and gone to patreon.com slash Bill Share, patreon.com slash Matt Lewis. And, uh, you know, Showing their, their appreciation for for what we do here. We we are grateful. We love doing this, and uh, we we desperately need sleep. <laughs> As the truth. <laughs> Good to talk to you. As always, Good talking to you and Bill. Share. I'll see you in the DMZ in two weeks, and uh, you know, get rested up and uh, keep keep an eye out for that bat. You know, uh, <laughs> signal that may go. The DMZ signal may may flash if there is an emergency podcast. I'll be here. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye.